Hello. This article is Florence Day 3, Fight Like Hell. The subtitle is You Are David Fighting Goliath. I decided to stay in Florence because of a girl. I thought we really hit it off enough for an extension. To her, it was not this way. I'd be a liar to say she was off my mind at this point. It had only been a day since she broke it off. The thought of her did weigh me down. Justin wasn't hesitant to point out that. It was obvious. However, it was my birthday and I turned 22 this day. And birthday or not, I was going to enjoy my final day in Florence with my friend Justin. He and I had lived together in many different apartments around Trieste. And when a lot of us traveled around, Justin was there too. We became good friends. In Florence, it was no different. Our podcast episode entitled Self-Improvement in Florence, where we were stranded for eight hours waiting for our train, describes our friendship much better. The link to the podcast is in my page entitled Links to My Work on LaCorridor.com. Anyway, we started our day by trying to make it to the Academia dell'Arte to see Michelangelo's David, but the line was too long, so we doubled back to the hostel to eat some breakfast that came with our stay. We already had a reservation to an apparently the oldest restaurant in Florence at 7, so we had that on the horizon. We both also talked about how our train ticket for 4 a.m. needed to be pushed forward because we were not going to spend all that time in Florence. We then stuffed cookies in our bags and checked out early. We then wandered aimlessly if memory served me well enough. I remember where we went. It was a leather store called Giorgio. Side note, Giorgio's, I think, is a beautiful name, and I would perhaps like to name my child Giorgio if I were to have a boy. Um, Florence is known for leather, remember. We walked in, and there was a sofa and a coffee table, and around that was many jackets hung up, and on the right was a hallway of more jackets that led to an open area where there was another hall that went far down, and before that, to the right, was the knitting room. I must have been looking for a nice wallet because I asked the man if he had any. He had three. So Justin and I decided to take take a look at the jackets he had. One caught my eye, then another. It was brown and the wash was beautiful. It's hanging in my closet at the moment. I heard Justin trying to speak Italian with the salesman and he caught wind of the American scent on him straight away and responded in English. I went over laughing and said, you could smell it on us, I bet, huh? He talked about how the tourists bring clowns in the mercado that sell crap all day. I told him there was a jacket I saw was nice, and we walked down the hall. We had both agreed on the, how the tourists bring the clowns. I tell you, Michele was a great salesman. He left, me, he left me the hell alone when I took it down to look at it. He wasn't some clone jerk-off who needed desperately to accommodate you, like some fucking ambulance chasers for crying out loud. Anyway... I asked to try it on, and he ushered us over to the mirror where the sofas were. He held it out for me to put my arms in, and then he stepped back. It was only me in the mirror, and I was lucky what I wore because it matched like hell. Meanwhile, Michele isn't saying a word. Justin said, doesn't he look good? I can't believe how good he looks in the jacket. Michele didn't say a thing, and later Justin told me he was nodding without me looking. Riz is a fucking salesman. He told me all about the material and how it was waterproof and the specific animal it was from, too. 
Not once did he encourage me to buy it, nor did he compliment how it looked in my face. It was 550 euro, and he brought it down to 200. I liked him a lot, so I told him how tempting it was and that I would most likely come back for it. It was something to think about. We all shook hands and introduced ourselves. That's when I learned his name was Michele. It wasn't 10 minutes of us walking around that I said to Justin that I would regret leaving Florence without that jacket. So we went to an ATM and walked with 200 euro back to Michele. We were carrying our backpacks and I was lucky we had our bags because I asked if I could change into the jeans I had for matching purposes. We followed him through the hall of jackets and he pointed to, down to the hall and to the left. Change around the corner there and I'll have the jacket ready, he said. One of my favorite things about Florence was Michele, not a doubt. I came out and again he held out the jacket. It matched beautifully and I said I'll take it, but I saw a button was loose and asked if it could be tighter. Give it to me, he said. He took it into the knitting room and in the corner of my eye I saw him working on it. Justin and I stood around talking about how cool everything was. Michele came out with a bag and he put the jacket inside. Then we went to the register. He asked me what I would like to do when I get older and what I did now. I told him I'd like to be a salesman for a little while to learn the skill. He became concerned and said that I was a smart kid and I shouldn't be concerned with that. I emphasized that it was only for the skill and this led to a conversation about the youth of today. He told us about the liberal leanings of Italy and how it, that brought the salesman clones. He said every path has a price. I loved that. I told him how much I admired his ability and we shook hands and he said, I think you'll make a fine salesman. We shook hands two more times after that throughout the conversation. I really loved talking to him. He was a breath of fresh air. One of the most interesting people I met in Italy. After that, we walked out into the street with my Giorgio bag and everyone stared at us. So I said, why don't we do a photo shoot? And so we did. Then if memory serves me well, we got lucky when we went to check on the David line because the line moved fast and mission was free. I tell you, I haven't listed all the examples of my luck in Italy was incredible. There were quite a bit of Mary pieces. We made through the pictures where the thousands of words and every room I went into my heart pained. Every room I went into my heart pained because I thought it would drop as I turned each corner. We went through another room with many arcways that led to more paintings. In this room, Justin pointed to the right, and he said, look, my heart dropped that time. It was, of course, David, and it was so much in the light that I had to look away, then look back again. It was as if experts of lighting made sure it was beautiful all the time. Still at this point, we were to the left of it, and I said to Justin, come on. My intention was to make sure we get a good spot to look from, and I was going to fight for it. As I walked, I could not watch where I was moving, just up and down David. His face, his posture, he was something I didn't understand. I know the story of where he defeats Goliath, and I also know that God favored him very well as a king. Justin told me that. With all that in mind, I somehow came back to reality slightly, and Justin and I were standing in a really good spot, to the right of him where he faced us. Justin asked what I thought about it, and I said I wasn't ready to speak. I was emotional, but it was nowhere near, the, nowhere near close to the previous day in Santa Croce. I think I said something about how that's how we all need to stand at that age, proud and honest. You can see it in the picture on my blog. We also got a picture in front of David from two different people. Two girls that Justin approached to ask for a picture, and when they handed me the phone, 
I said it was good and they continued on. Then I looked again at the picture and saw David's head wasn't even in it. If I'd really looked at the picture, I would have made sure they knew they were idiots. At that point, it's just saying no. There was a large man I was eyeing. He struck me as some kind of photographer. I don't know why, but I knew I had to ask him. I directed him and us, and he took beautiful pictures from three different perspectives. I'll never forget that guy. He made my eyes sparkle, and I thanked him like a madman. 7 p.m. was approaching, so we made way for the restaurant called Paoli. We got there, and I told the hostess in Italian that we had a reservation. She corrected my Italian, then seated us. When I watched her return to her post outside, she walked very professionally. It was as if she went to school to walk the way she did. I mentioned this to Justin. Finally, we were served meatballs and pasta with ragu sauce. Ragu is meat sauce in case you hadn't heard. We realized by the time dinner was ending that we needed to go to the train station and push the ticket forward. I attempted to do it on the Train Italia app, and without my pressing anything, it changed the next day automatically. So Justin and I paid the bill because it was my birthday. Or Justin paid the bill because it was my birthday, and we went on to explain this to someone at the station. He wanted to stop for water, so we did. We walked through a bad part of town where people seemed to be ready for trouble. And I felt like I was walking to trouble, really, because I had the Giorgio bag. And I did not stuff the jacket in my real backpack. In fact, I had it on. We got to a 99-cent store, and I pulled water out of the fridge, and Justin went further back into the store. There were three very tall guys standing around, and I jumped in front of them before they got in line. His response was to put down all his beer and wine in front of me. I told him in English, that's not right, man. I was here first. He threw his hands in the air like a dick and said, I don't want any trouble, man. He repeated this several times. He was a dick because he knew I couldn't take him, but decided to pretend like I could. It was quite intimidating. Neither do I, I said, but you don't have to act like that. He said, go ahead, go first. His English is very good. I pushed back at him saying, there's no reason to act the way you did. This back and forth went on for about 10 seconds until the cashier girl said to me in English, enough, just pay. She was quite frightened and so was I. I was shaking well into it. When I went for my coins, I somehow was able to control my shaking well enough. You see, no problem, right? He said so politely. Yeah, a small domestic dispute, I bit back. And then he said, ah, see? And he was grinning. Justin and I left, and we both agreed to turn as many corners as we could in case they were to follow us. After about six turns, I took off my jacket and put it in my backpack and the clothes in the Giorgio bag. Justin and I talked about this all the way to the train station. He called me a hero and compared me to David fighting Goliath. At the time, it certainly didn't feel like it. It was about 9.30 when we got to the ticket booth. I forgot to mention this whole time my voice was nearly gone still. The encounter at the store I was fighting with almost no voice and there was another fight I had at the train station. Thank God it was in English again. I got to the counter and began explaining our predicament. The lady behind it was probably 30 or so. She cut me off in the middle of my explanation. What are you saying? She was angry already, she said. I'm sorry. What are you saying, she said. She was angry already, probably because I had a lot to say and she could barely hear me. I repeated myself and requested to change the ticket to an earlier time. You've already changed it once and you cannot change it again. This is our policy, she said. I repeated myself about how it changed without my consent. She also repeated herself. This is our policy. It is impossible. 
This was her favorite thing to say, and it pissed me off royal. After a battle of repetition and showing her the ticket through the goddamn COVID glass, she ushered me into the booth. She ushered me into the booth where she, where she proceeded to tell me again, but with the computer, that this was their policy and it was impossible. Then I proceeded to tell her how wonderful she was at following her procedure. I said she was a humanitarian and she thanked me. Then she yelled at me to leave. So we went to two more booths after this. Justin spoke to the next lady who wanted nothing to do with this. I later realized. She sent us to another booth where we waited an hour on the floor to only have this bitch tell us the same thing. It is impossible. It is our policy. Finally, they accommodated us to the best of their policy and changed it back to the previous time of 4 a.m. She said, accept this because you are making people wait. I then told her that her policy makes people wait and called her a fool in Italian. Justin had been on the phone with Armand, who was helping us make a plan B, which did not go through. The policy keeper did not agree with it. Now, as much as those robots pissed me off, Justin and I made the best of our stay at the station. I called Armand to explain the situation and thanked him for helping us. When in the conversation, he said, don't use your phone until you find a charger and don't fall asleep at the same time. I really, I really loved that guy. I went to the McDonald's in the station and got us some water and pastries. The cookies at this time were broken. After sitting in the ground for what felt like hours, we ventured out into the station. There was a McDonald's outside too. So we looked around for an outlet. We found one encamped in the booth for the remaining hours. We made the podcast I talked about earlier to pass the time, and my voice was getting better because I wasn't yelling. Then the, knife, the nightlife began to populate. People were all outside McDonald's, presumably waiting for their own trains. Justin fell asleep, so I went outside to breathe. I was approached by a few people for cigarettes, and one man offered me to drink a beer with him. I wish I accepted it, but I was shaken from the day and was distrusting of everyone except Justin, who was sleeping like a horse. I called my friend Dom just to talk. I wanted to get the Canadian girl off my mind. Eventually, the staff came around and said, no sleeping. The horse shook himself awake, and we went outside to see if they opened the station. It was 2 a.m. We went inside the station, and there were many people sleeping with their head, heads rested on their shoes. We could see their bare feet. We both felt like we were walking through a scene in a zombie movie where they would all wake up. We crept back out once we saw the gate was closed and marked our territory outside. Eventually we got to the train and I don't care what anyone says to me. That day was fun, even the bullshit. It was all an adventure and Justin agrees. That's the mindset of a writer. Thank you for listening.